0: and if you are not filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, you should seek that experience. Because in the tough times and the bad times, it will be Him, the Holy Spirit, that will hold you up and take you through and keep you going. Otherwise, you will fall by the wayside when the going gets rough. And the going gets tough. The Holy Spirit is a... And I'm not particularly speaking on the Holy Spirit tonight other than to make a point at the beginning of this passage of Scripture that I'm going to share with you and then speak on for a few moments. The Holy Spirit is... I discovered very young in my Christian experience is one of the strong things that keeps a person in touch and with a right relationship with God. Um, The Bible said the Holy Spirit dwells in us, lives with us. When we have received the Holy Spirit, He never leaves us. He stays with us. He is a comforter. He is a protector. He is a guide. He is a director. He can bring to your spirit things that God is saying that you haven't yet learned or know about in those times when you need him the most. 2 Corinthians 5.17 said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. That's a powerful scripture that talks about Jesus being in us. And what I learned about the Holy Spirit was that I didn't have much of Jesus when I didn't have the Holy Spirit. He just sort of come and went, as I'll come and went. You may not agree with that. You may not agree, but I've studied the book now a long time. And, and uh, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty set there in my way, in my own self. I'm not going nowhere else. I'm pretty set in the fact that when the Holy Spirit came into my life with the evidence of speaking in other times, tongues, now I don't just walk around speaking in other tongues. But there is a difference in the spirit that you receive when you get saved and the spirit you receive with evidence of speaking in other tongues. You can argue about it all day long if you want to, but it's still a fact. Study the book. It's still a fact. It's very clear and very plain in the book. And I know we have all kind of different ideas about this. And we, we even in, in some churches of God, Lord, help us. They want to take you to the back room if you're going to speak in tongues. You can't speak in tongues in the open assembly. Well, I'm trying to figure out exactly what the purpose of that is. Now, I don't like wildfire. I don't like stupidity. I don't like folks just jabbering and grabbing in tongues just because they want to show out. You know the difference when it happens. You know the difference in the real thing and the unreal. I want to begin with, Relating a a past experience. Some of you know this, but it helps me to to point out what I'm trying to say. Helps me to relate it. Uh, When um, I got saved before Darlene, we were both kids. And I got saved before Darlene. She, uh, she was from a broken home. They didn't go to church. All she knew was fussing, fighting, and everything that can go on in a broken home. And uh, I got saved before her, and she told me right up front when I got saved, that uh, she'd get saved when she got good and ready, that I wasn't to try to get her saved, okay? Show you how this turns around. Okay, I said, I didn't didn't press it no further. But We went on, you know, for a good bit. Danny was born, and uh, they started a new church in Clara. My mom asked Darlene and I if we would go in a tent with her one Sunday morning. It was in a tent. They had a tent up in a hog pasture, having church, starting a brand-new church. And uh, we did. We went and uh, long story short, they started a revival. They decided to have a revival in this tent. I don't remember who the minister was, the pastor who became the pastor at that new church was Travis Henderson who at one point was a state overseer of Arkansas. And uh, Darlene had not got saved at this point. She was sitting in the back on a chair and and uh, holding Danny, he was a baby, and uh, and so the minister gave an altar call. Well, I went every time they gave an altar call seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I went every time they gave an altar call, I'd go to the altar. I was backward, bashful, and didn't want nobody to pray with me or nothing. I wanted to just be by myself. I'd I let people know I don't want you laying hands on me and praying for me. I just want to do this on my own. That was my sort of the way I was approaching it. And he gave all the call for those who weren't saved. And and Darlene was sitting back there holding Danny, who's now your pastor, and Brother Floyd Mills uh, that uh, lived there in that area. At that time, we didn't know him. Now we're very close friends. He went over and took Danny out of Darlene's hand without asking or anything. He just reached down and picked Danny was asleep. He just reached down and picked Danny up, and he said, there's no reason now for you not to go to the altar. He, you know, he knew she was sitting there having a good excuse, you know. I got the baby, and he's asleep, blah, blah, blah. Well, she did. She gets up and marches right down to the old sawdust altar. We just had a sawdust floor. And she knelt down and gave her heart to the Lord and got back up and started back to the seat and I had gotten up from seeking a baptism. I didn't get it. You know, that was, a, that was a term then, and I was going back to my seat. I was seat, I was disappointed. And the minister said, if you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, with the evidence speaking out of the tongues, turn around and come back to the altar, and the Lord will give it to you. I said, phooey, I've been around this my whole life. I just went on and sat down. You can see why I hadn't got it, can't you? Darlene, though, she don't know nothing about it. All she, all she knows was that she got saved and it felt pretty good. And out of all the people in the house, she just turns around and heads back down to the altar. I couldn't believe it. She just heads back down to the altar. Before she gets to the altar, she f- hits the sawdust ground just as hard as she could hit it, speaking in tongues. I thought, this is something. This is amazing. Boy, I got even madder at myself. There she is, got saved and filled with her spirit all the same night with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I grew up in this. I've lived in this place all this time. But I didn't get it. Lord, are you mad at me? I was mad at the Lord. We went on by and by, and we moved. had to move the tent. They had to grow hogs there, and so we had to move the tent to another spot. We still hadn't been able to build a church yet. Move the tent to another spot, and we had an, an overseer coming, and he was a holding revival, John D. Smith. And he was a holding revival, and he gave all the call for people to come to the altar who wanted the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, now, between the time that Darlene got it and this time, I had let her know, you don't come and pray for me for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I just well, I felt. I mean, that's just the way it was. I know you never had none of that. And so I went down, knelt at the altar, and started praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, the Lord saw another way of doing things. He saw a way of humbling me and getting me out of my situation. He sends Darlene down there, and she just comes up behind me without notifying me and puts her hand on the both sides of my head and let out a curdling scream. And I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I started speaking in tongues. I got lost in the Spirit, and I didn't care that she prayed for me. I didn't care. The bottom line was that I was outside of where God wanted me to be. And God wanted to break down some of those things in my life that was hindering my forward progress. And sometimes God uses strange things to teach us certain kinds of lessons. Now, both of us have been faithful to God ever since that day, and that's been 52 years, I believe, 52 or 53 years ago that happened. Well, in John chapter 15 is an interesting place. And the title of my message tonight if you want to know that is if you abide in me. What I learned on that night that I had to abide in Jesus. I couldn't choose my own process. I had to abide in Jesus. And what I learned that night was that when the Holy Spirit came in in this particular form and took up abode in my life, I was never the same again i never looked at things the same way anymore. I've never done things the same way. And I have never approached things the same way. God is awesome in all of His power. And John said, I am the vine, true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth no fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. You are not going to bear fruit without allowing yourself to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. It's just not in our flesh to do it. Oh, that don't mean we can't witness to somebody or, or say to somebody or you saved and maybe lead somebody to the Lord. But there's a total difference in being filled with the Spirit and working for God than it is to not be and working for God. I hope for the Lord's sake I make you hungry tonight if you are not filled with the Spirit. Now you're clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you and the branch cannot bear fruit of except... Of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. He keeps repeating himself of how important this is. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. Now, I believe many times we misunderstand this particular verse of Scripture, and it shall be done unto you. He is still talking about fruit. He is still talking about bearing fruit. He is saying that if you're abiding in me and I in you, you can ask for fruit to come forth. And it will come forth. I will obey your word. You can bear fruit because you abide in me and my words abide in you. Do you get it? Herein is my Father glorified. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. At this point, all of a sudden, he jumped forward, and now he calls us disciples. He calls us men and women who follow after him and do his work and do the things that he has called us to do. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept the Father's commandment and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. It is found in the Holy Spirit coming into our life. This full joy is found when the Holy Spirit comes into our life. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Create greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. You're my friends. This is powerful. I can't preach on every verse. If you do whatsoever I command you, you're my friends. I mean, who wouldn't want to be a friend of Jesus? Who wouldn't want to have Jesus' friendship? Henceforth I call you not servants. Henceforth I you have this relationship with me that you're bringing forth much fruit that you are abiding in me and I in you. From now on I'm not calling you servants. It is not a servant and master relationship. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you Friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. That is powerful. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask fruit, whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. He's dealing with the process of you producing the same kind you've become that you in turn produce. This church, is useless if it doesn't never produce any new converts. This church is not necessary if we don't produce some converts. And God, by His Spirit, has given us the ability to produce converts. He is able to bring fruit and he said if you ask for it I'll give it to you if you're abiding in me that's what I discovered when I was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking out of the tongue now my, my shamefulness my bashfulness my backwardness disappeared and six months from that day I preached my first sermon A boy who would not even get out of the vehicle and go into church without being begged to do so. Slip in at a church start and leave before it ended. I grew up in it. But I was still this person who was afraid. And God, when he filled me with the Spirit, I became another person. All of a sudden, I was hungry to do something for God. I wanted to see somebody saved. If you're not hungry for somebody to be saved, you're missing something in your life as a believer. Everybody won't listen to us. Everybody won't hear our message. But we must tell our message. We must minister our message. We must let people know about our message. We must stand on the solid foundation that he has given to us. What is meant by our being in him? This is called partaking of him. Actually partaking of him. Jesus Jesus makes a a difference in his pruning our life. He said as you produce fruit there comes a time you have to be pruned. And I take my shares and I prune you. So that you will produce more fruit. Now, you can go back and study this passage, but if he prunes you and you don't do nothing, the Bible said he cuts it off and discards it, throws it away because it is good for nothing. But let me remind you what he said. If you're in me and I in you, you can ask what you will. You can ask for that soul that you're hungry to see saved. You should never let a day go by that you don't call their name in prayer. You should pray for... There is no excuse for a believer's son or daughter to be lost. You say, Brother Regney, don't get so far out there. I believe that. I believe if we spend the time in prayer and fasting and asking God for this individual, for this soul, they will get saved even if it's on their deathbed. I believe that. I believe that's what he's telling me in this passage of Scripture. That as a Spirit-filled believer, I can ask him when I cannot do it on my own, when I cannot accomplish it myself, when I cannot produce the fruit myself, I can ask him that I need fruit. And he said, I will give it you. Let's read it again. You've not chosen me. I've chosen you. And ordained you that you should go forth and bring forth fruit. And that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Everything is on my side. If I have a person in my life tonight that I don't want to see go to hell, everything is on my side if I'm a Spirit-filled believer. I can ask Him for it. I can ask Him over and over again for it. Hebrews 3 and 14. For we are made partakers of Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end, we are made partakers of Christ. It implies in it our being in Him. Our being in Him. Romans 8, 1 said, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not out of the flesh, but after the Spirit. I'm in the world, but I don't have to be the world. I'm in the world, but I don't have to live off the world. I'm in the world, but I don't have to partake of the world. If there is no condemnation, you have the right to ask what you will. Fruit is soul winning. Fruit is soul winning. Study it. But not just so winning. There are other fruit that also you can partake of. Galatians 5.22 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. They can kill you, but they can't take your love away. They can kill you, but they can't take your peace away. They can kill you, but they can't take away what God has given to you through the Spirit. He said, I will give you these things through the Spirit. They will be part of you. They will be yours. What is meant by His words abiding in us? abiding in us. His words are that doctrine. It's that doctrine that he came to deliver in his Father's name. He said this, Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me, that he was pouring into them. These words abide in us by our knowing them, by believing them, by remembering them, becomes part of us. Because of the Holy Spirit 24-7, I am never away from Him. He abides and lives in me. We should not forget that. I'll guarantee you He misses it when you don't seem to think about Him any time during the day. I can't imagine going a day without thinking about Him. I can't imagine spending a day without thinking about him. As much as I love deer hunting, and, and if you, if you if that offends you, I'm sorry. I love deer hunting. As much as I love deer hunting, I'll never go deer hunting and spend the day without God being in my midst, without me being in his presence. Matter of fact, I enjoy going deer hunting because I can't do nothing else while I sit there and look around but Pray. And thank on the goodness of God. Some of the closest experiences and most powerful experiences I ever had is in a deer stand. With God, with his blessings. When I got depressed, when we was building these buildings here, and I got so depressed, probably from overwork, I don't know. Council begged me to take off a month and try to recoup and I felt like that I couldn't stop right then. I said, wait until December, and I'll go to Mississippi. And, uh, and I, I was like in a bubble, and I couldn't find my way out. of it. Depression is a terrible, terrible thing. If you ever had it, it's a terrible thing. I don't believe it's of God whatsoever. It's attack of the enemy on us. I got in the deer stand, laid my gun down in the floor, and I said, God, before I leave here, I'm getting out of this bubble I'm in somehow or some way. And, you know, God is, God is different sometimes. Just like when Darlene walked up behind me and me in the altar, not wanting nobody to touch me. She walks up behind me and got both sides of my head. And it just like you give me a shot of electricity. God does that. Sometimes when we unexpected. I was sitting in that stand and I was praying and I was praying and I was praying. And I I had books in there and I'd read a little bit and I'd pray a little bit. And I'd I'd read a little bit and I'd pray a little bit. I'd read a little bit and I'd pray a little bit. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden I realized that bubble's gone. I got out of that stand outside. I had me a hallelujah time. I didn't kill no deer that trip. But I got free of my depression. God is always wanting to be with his children. What is meant by his words, I'm abiding in you. Jesus does not want us to be without his presence. He wants his presence with us everywhere we go, whatever we do. I wouldn't go to Real Foot Lake with Darlene to fish if Jesus didn't go. You know that we're too prone to fall or something. I mean, you ought to be present, watch us get in and out of the boat. It's amusing, <laughs> and we would never make it back probably if Jesus wasn't with us. He said he would abide with us. The most powerful thing we know. The most powerful name we know. The most powerful power we know. He said I will abide with you. That's why when they sing these songs like they sung tonight, I don't see how you cannot do nothing but worship. I don't see how you can do anything else. Because of the words in these songs. What is the effect of? of his word abiding in us. First of all, they purify us. The word of God is a purifier. That night, that night, brother, Keith, when he come into my life in that most unusual way that I never experienced before in my life, he done something in me that I never had done in me before. He purified me. All the stuff that I'd always liked, I didn't like it no more. He purifies us. They, he, he brings forth fruit in us because he abides with us. John 15, five, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If you don't stay in Him, you can't live a Christian life. You have to have Him in your life. His abiding in us brings faith into our heart. Stirs up faith in heart, brings faith in heart. Romans 10, 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That's how we hear what he's saying to us. It's by faith and by the word of God. It's how we come to hear what he's saying to us. And I don't like too much more. He made a promise to us. What is is it that he has promised us? Matthew 7, 7, 8 said, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth him that knocketh. It shall be opened. Those that abide in Christ shall be sure not to meet with disappointment because they will ask only according to God's will. That's what happens when we abide in, when we're talking about fruit. Our fruit being what it is, He creates that fruit because He prunes our tree and prunes off the things that we don't need and takes it away. And He leaves only the branches that will produce fruit in our life and in our heart so that as we abide in Christ, we, we shall be sure not to meet with disappointment. Because we ask according to God's will, following the example of the Lord. It's not God's will to give us everything. It's not God's will for me just to go around every day asking at random for God to do something. We are guilty of that. But that's not pleasing to God. That's not God's plan. That's not God's will. And I apologize to God every now and then when I'm praying, when I'm walking around here in the church praying during the week. I apologize to God almost every day. I get sick of myself apologizing. I tell myself, why don't you stop this so you don't have to apologize? What in the world do you apologize to God for, Pastor? Sometimes I just pray the stupidest prayer. And after it comes out and I hear it, I said, oh, my Lord, forgive me of that. That just dumb. You never done that? Boy, I do that. That's just dumb. Why would you pray that? I mean, that's something you want to do it hard and bad enough. You can do that yourself. You don't need to ask God to do that. Yeah, I believe there's things we shouldn't ask God to do. But what God wants us to ask him for is fruit. He wants us to pray for fruit. This whole church here, we need to pray for fruit. We need to ask God's anointed power to be in this place and touch us so when we go out of here and on our jobs and in the Walmart store and wherever we at, God would put in our path somebody to witness to. We need to do that. That's the fruit. That's what the fruit is. It's doing those things that will please the Father. Matthew 26, 39, I don't remember if I read this or not. Matthew 6, 26, 39, and he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Then listen to what he said, Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thy will. And he meant it. Jesus meant it. And that's the way I have to become. I may pray things sometimes, but then I need to follow it up with not my will, but your will. How many knows if God had give us all of our wills, we'd be in a mess sometimes. Praying as our Lord directs us. We will ask nothing but what is lawful in God's Word, avoiding the folly mentioned in Psalms. We will ask in the right method. We will ask in humility and in faith if we obey His Word on fruit. In closing, come to the music, please. Let me say this in closing. We should ask great things from God. We should expect Great things from God. And I will be the first to admit I get frustrated at some things I pray about and can't see no direct results. And when I've exhausted myself praying about those particular things, all I can do is say, God, it's just in your hands. You will have to decide what to do with this. You see, the promises of God are many. To everyone one that comes to the mercy seat and offers the promise or bill for acceptance and pleads in the way of obedient faith and prayer, Jesus, the high treasure of heaven, knows every letter of the Father's handwriting. He is able to do it for us when it's needful on this earth. He accepts them all. And then there is the necessity of pacific prayer. You know, sometimes I walk in here and I just start walking and praying. There's nothing specific about it. I'm just walking and praying. Sometimes just rejoicing in the Lord. Sometimes just at random asking God to bless this one, bless that one, help this one, help that one. Kristen's not here tonight, is she? Kristen and I sat on the front seat this morning with the missionary preaching, and I knew Kristen's heart, how she wants to be a missionary. And she sat there, and she couldn't do nothing but cry the whole service, weep before the whole service. Everything the missionary said, she just hung on to it and wept. I'm sitting there and I'm praying another prayer. You know what prayer I was praying, don't you? God, this is not my plan. But with all that's within me, I want it to one day become my plan for her. And I made God a promise this morning. Now I'm telling it public. I didn't mean to do that. I said, I promise God that if she does become a missionary and goes to a foreign field, she will not never rise to a sunrise without my prayers going up before in front of you. God wants us to learn how to pray for the needs in our life. But more than that, God wants us to learn how to pray for our family, Our families shouldn't be lost. Our families shouldn't be lost. You should give your sons and your daughters enough of God before they go off to college, that when they go off to college and they start doing things or running around with people they shouldn't run around with, they'll be scared that you're standing in the next room. And they'll flee the other way. Yes, it can be done. I believe it. I don't believe we should have to walk in fear and trembling all the time but not because of not knowing what our kids are doing and where they are and whether they're safe or not. I believe we have the right to pray and call out to God according to these scriptures in John chapter 15. You study them sometime yourself. And I believe we have the right to ask for the fruit of our own children our own families and our own loved ones they may not want you to pray for them but do it anyway pacific prayer in order to be prevailing our prayers must be pointed and personal pointed and personal what about you do you know him Does he abide with you and in you? Are you where you want to be if Jesus comes tonight? Is your family where you want it to be if Jesus comes tonight? You said, Brother Rigney, I don't want him to come tonight. Well, he could come tonight in so many different ways. i preached a lot of funerals in my life. I've been to many a one that we wasn't expecting to preach that funeral. The funeral is not a time to pray. It's before the funeral that we need to pray. I know I'm on uncomfortable stuff right now. But my heart is hurting and burning inside of me. When I go around the churches and see people, I see how slack they are, how slow they are, as if they have a lifetime and then some to do what needs to be done to be ready for heaven. There's a heaven to gain, but there's a hell also to shun. Rich man... gave a little crumb to the beggars. He said at his gate, begging. But when they died, the beggar was caught up into Abraham's bosom. But the rich man died and went to hell. And from hell he cried and said, send Lazarus back to tell my brothers, don't come here. Don't come here. Oh, friend, tonight, Are you where you need to be? Are you where you need to be in relationship to your family? Are you where you need to be in relationship to your prayers for your family? Are you where you need to be in relationship to the prayers for your sons and your daughters? I'd hate to know that I had to go to a funeral of my son or my daughter's my grandsons or granddaughters. And I couldn't say without a shadow of a doubt, I know where they are. That'd be awful. I don't know nothing would be worse than that. So, since I know this, what I do, I do this, Brother Roger, I pray every day for my grandchildren, for my sons and my daughters. I pray every day. God, protect them. Let them walk in your ways. Let them not fail. I'm going to ask you tonight if you just got something you want to pray about, something on your heart that come to your mind during this message, I want to ask you to come, kneel down or stand as they sing something appropriate and let's just talk to God a few minutes.